Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's service. We want to let you know that we're going to be reopening for services in person beginning Sunday, September the 27th. So stay tuned to our website for more details regarding registration. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and the kids can access their kids' lesson videos on the EPC Kids Facebook page or online on our website. So that's it for now. Have a great day, and God bless. Hello, everyone. Let's sing together. Sing, There's a Place. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. And there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a
It's so nice this morning for us to be able to share in this communion time together. We come to the communion table, not because we have to, but because we can. We have been invited. We don't come to declare that we have it all together, but we declare that we love Jesus and we desire to be his disciple. We don't come because we are strong. We come because we are weak. We don't come because we deserve to. We come because we need mercy and help. This bread and cup are a reminder of the grace of God to the least of us. We approach this table with humility, confession of our sin, renewing of our vows to pray for strength so that we can serve God faithfully. In Luke 22, verses 14 to 16, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. In Luke 22, verse 19, it says, And he took bread. And when he had given thanks and broke it, he gave it to them and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we eat together of the bread this morning?
in Luke 22:20, 20, it says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Can we drink of the cup together this morning? Heavenly Father, we want to pause today and thank you for the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have invited us to come to this table, that we might remember, that we might be reminded of the incredible sacrifice that he made on the cross when he laid down his life for us. Jesus, we thank you this morning for all that you have done for us. We remember and we give thanks. And Lord, right now I pray your blessing on each and every one. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. This morning we're reading from John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, and it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Hello, everyone. If I am making something, if I'm building something, if I am repurposing something, I find it helpful to see an example so that I can understand what the finished product could look like and should look like. Successfully duplicating examples is often more challenging than one might think. I've often set out with an example and the end product of what I produce is very different than the example I was looking at. Today, we're gonna to be considering an account found in John chapter 13, and it's an account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet in the upper room prior to his death on the cross. Jesus, in this account, 
sets the ultimate example for them that godly love is expressed in humility and in sacrifice. Jesus led by example, and we too must lead by following the example of Jesus. And so for a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about leading by example. The first thing I want us to consider this morning is the context of our scripture. Chapter 13 is the turning point in John's gospel. It marks the beginning of the final hours leading up to Jesus' death. It is just before Passover. Earlier, Jesus was introduced by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. Passover was a celebration of the redemption of God's people from Egypt. Lambs were sacrificed, blood was shed as a means for this deliverance to be possible. This Passover in this scripture will gain a whole new significance as now the Lamb of God will be sacrificed for the deliverance of all mankind from all sin for all time. Now, while there is some debate about the timing of this particular event, it's likely taking place on the Thursday evening prior to Passover on Friday. Later that evening, Jesus will be arrested. He will be held overnight, tried, condemned, and crucified. He will be laid in a tomb before dark, which is the start of Passover. We are told that Jesus is aware that the time, the hour for him to be glorified, for him to return to the Father, had come. Jesus had been on a divine time schedule. This is a certain, definite, critical time in God's plan of redemption, and Jesus is aware of it. It says that he has loved his own in the world, his own being his disciples. He has loved them to the end. Now, the word or phrase to the end is best understood as capacity of love and not timing. It means, it means that he loved them to the limit, to the full capacity, unlimited. Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples, and we are introduced to a significant spiritual contrast, a significant spiritual conflict. We are told that the devil is also at work in the room. More specifically, he is at work in the heart and the mind and the thinking of one of those whom Jesus loves to the limit, unlimited, Judas. The devil has already prompted Judas to betray Jesus, and the decision to carry out this act has already been decided. This follower of Jesus has decided to be an instrument of the devil. And although Jesus knows this, he's not shaken, he's not intimidated, and he's not distracted by it. Why? Why not? Because Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things. He had come from God and he is returning to God. He is empowered by God to fulfill the sovereign will of God. Secondly, let's consider actions. 
This passage is what is referred to as a farewell discourse. Now, a farewell discourse contains the final words, the final actions of a person who knows that they are about to die. The final things they want to leave with those they care about while they can still speak are the things that they share. Now, we see many examples of this in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is blessing his sons. In Joshua 22 to 24, Joshua is addressing the people of Israel before he dies. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and 29, David is addressing his son Solomon and the whole nation before he dies. The whole book of Deuteronomy contains Moses' farewell discourse to Israel. Now we'll see in this passage the final message that Jesus wants to leave with his followers before he dies. In the time of Jesus, people wore sandals. The roads were either very dusty or very muddy. And the result was most people had dirty feet. A large pot was located inside the entrance of the home containing water to be used for foot washing. Poor people washed their own feet, but servants washed the feet of wealthy people. When foot washing involves someone washing another person's feet, there were strict guidelines around it. Washing another person's feet was considered to be so menial in this culture that Jewish people would not even allow their own Jewish servants to do it. It was reserved for the Gentile slaves. Jesus and the disciples came from the street to the room. There is no servant present to wash their feet since it's a private gathering. Jesus got up from the table. He removed his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. This is significant because wrapping a towel around your waist was a symbol of slavery. Slaves wore towels around their waist. And Jesus poured water into a basin and started washing his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel. When he got to Peter, Peter asked, You aren't going to wash my feet, are you? He's astonished. This is actually more of a statement than a question. And so Jesus responded to him, The time will come when you will understand what I have done. Down the road, all of this is going to make sense to you, Peter. And washing your feet is symbolic of the ultimate humility that, that he's going to demonstrate very soon by voluntarily laying down his life for the salvation of others. So not understanding, Peter rejected Jesus. He said, no, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus explained, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, typical Peter, he said, then wash my hands and my head too. Give me a bath if that's what it means. Jesus said, there's no need for that, Peter. You're missing the point. It's not the washing itself. It is the humility and the love that is demonstrated that you need to receive, Peter. Thirdly, example. Jesus finished washing their feet. He put his clothes back on and returned to his place at the table. And then he asked them a question. He said, do you understand what I just did? Do you understand what I just did? He wants to make sure that they understand what it is he is trying to communicate to them. 
He said, you call me teacher. You, you call me Lord. And rightfully so, because you know what? I am. I have authority over you. I'm in, on a level above you. There's no question. But if the teacher and the Lord is above you, can humble himself and wash your feet, you should be able to wash each other's feet. If I can humble myself to serve you, you can humble yourself to serve others. I have set an example for you to copy. I want you to do for others what I have done for you. You are not greater than me. If I can do it, you can do it. As I have, you must. He's not suggesting the perpetuation of foot washing. That's not the point here. His emphasis is on the inner attitude of humility and voluntary service to others. And Jesus ends by saying, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do it. As we consider our passage today, there are two challenges from Jesus that confront us. The first is, as I have, you must. In our passage today, Jesus makes the statement, you should do as I have done. Now, later in the chapter, in verse 34, Jesus reiterates all that he has taught in this passage. And he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, these words, as I have, you must, ring throughout history. They ring throughout the church. They ring through the souls of those who are his followers. Now, honestly, I personally find this challenge from Jesus difficult to fulfill. I mean that sincerely. I know that he loves me. I can see the impact of his love in my life. I can honestly say that I don't deserve the love that he has shown and continues to show to me. Yet, there are people that I struggle with seeing worthy to receive my love. Perhaps you struggle with the same. You see, it's hard to love people who have hurt us, who have lied to us, who have lied about us, who have betrayed us. Yet his words echo within us, as I have, you must. It's sometimes hard to love people who live lifestyles that we don't agree with, that oppose everything we hold as valuable. Yet his words echo within us, as I have, you must. It's hard to love people whose political views, whose allegiances are significantly opposed to ours, yet his words echo within us, as I have, you must. It's hard to love people who make our lives difficult every single day, yet his words echo within us, as I have, you must. What I find interesting in this passage in that, is that it is clear that Judas has already decided that he is going to betray Jesus. Yet Jesus washed all the disciples' feet, even Judas. Can you imagine Jesus kneeling at the feet of one 
who will in a brief time do the devil's work, betray him, bring great anguish upon him, bring chaos into the lives of his followers, those he loves. And here he is washing his feet with the same love and affection as the others who will remain faithful. There is more to verse 34 than, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It also says this, by this, everyone will know that you belong to me if you love one another. Loving people who are not deserving of our love is a sign to the world that we belong to Jesus. Not our doctrine, not our programs, not our activities, not our buildings. Loving people who are not deserving of our love is the sign that we belong to Jesus. I would not be honest if I said this would be easy for us. It doesn't change the fact that this is what we're called to do, easy or not. As I have, you must. The second challenge is now that you know. Now that you know. Jesus ends this section of our scripture with these words, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus makes it clear here that there's a difference between knowing and doing. You can know what is right. You can know what is true. You can know what's expected of you. You can know what is appropriate to do, but not do it. His expectation is that we know and do. That our beliefs are lived out in our actions. That we have faith and works. Jesus is showing us that knowing brings an obligation to doing. William Wilberforce was instrumental in leading the movement to abolish the British slave trade. He was a member of the British Parliament and brought details of the reality of what was happening in the slave trade before the government house regularly, pushing for legislation to end the slave trade in Britain. He died three days after the legislation had passed. One of his most famous quotes is this, Having heard all this, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. Wilberforce understood the teaching of Jesus. Now that you know. Now that you know, you must act accordingly. Humility is refusing to establish any boundary that will keep us from serving and loving as Jesus has called us to serve and love. Jesus makes it clear that blessing flows into our lives from God as we are faithful to do what God has asked us to do. Now, especially in our text, loving and serving others in humility. Blessing in this life is not measured by material possessions, is not measured by awards, it's not measured by accomplishments, it's not measured by experiencing all the things that we set out to experience. Blessing is the peace, the contentment, the confidence, 
the provision of God as we are living in harmony with his desire for our lives. I guess the reverse of that is also true. We won't be blessed if we know, but we don't act. In conclusion this morning, genuine godly love is expressed in humility and sacrifice. Loving people who are not deserving of our love is a sign to the world that we belong to Jesus. Humility is refusing to establish any boundary that will keep us from serving and loving as Jesus has called us to serve and love. Folks, Jesus led by example, and we too must lead by following the example of Jesus. Lead by example.
Thank you for being a part of our service today. We are so delighted that you joined us. Our prayer is that something from this service today has touched your life in a meaningful way. If it has, we'd love to hear from you. Please let us know. And if there's any way that we can help you, please don't hesitate to reach out. God bless you and have a great week.